Welcome back to the Timeout Podcast of Christian Pentagos and Jack Bergamini. How are you doing today, Jack? I'm doing good. I'm doing good today, CP. Uh, the NBA has just gotten back from its all-star break, and we're in the second half of the season, and there's a lot to be excited for. Uh, the season, it's it's in full gear right now, and the playoffs are honestly just around the corner. So I, I love some NBA basketball. Yeah, definitely a lot to look forward to and exciting stuff happening. And just throw this out that the All-Star game and the whole All-Star weekend's agenda was definitely not one of those exciting uh, points at all by any means. No, not at all. I mean, we, I think we talked about how it was just the whole thing kind of felt unnecessary. Like a lot of the players didn't want to be there and it just the whole environment was kind of off. And I mean, you know, it's kind of it's what we expect from the All-Star game. Most of the players weren't trying, wasn't very intense until the last few minutes, but Team LeBron was just so much better than Team uh, Durant, considering Durant wasn't even playing, that it just, the game wasn't very good. And then all the other competitions, you know, like the dunk contest, it, it just it just wasn't the same. Yeah, I agree with you. It was, it was even more lackluster than I anticipated. But enough of All-Star uh, Weekend. I want to, we want to change into a new segment we're going to call here on the timeout with Jack with the Brooklyn Nets. Jack, we need to hear what's going on with them. You know, been a Nets fan basically my whole life. Finally, the team, this is the team I've been waiting for. And they're finally getting the national media attention that they deserve. The Nets right now are 25 and 13, second in the East, probably going to be first soon because Embiid just went down, unfortunately, yesterday. And I mean, as of right now, they're the hottest team in the league. And I don't think any team can beat them right now. Notes in the playoffs. No one, not even the Lakers. With AD, I don't think so. This team just is so unstoppable. They have so much offensive firepower. And everyone earlier in the season was talking about how their defense was so lackluster, historically bad. But, I mean, their defense doesn't have to be great. It can be below average, but the Nets just have to outscore their opponent. And they do that basically every game. So I don't see how any team, even with a healthy Embiid on the, with the Sixers or a healthy LeBron and AD, the Nets can simply just outscore them. And Kevin Durant has been out these past few weeks, and the Nets have still been the best team in the league. Once he comes back, their best defensive player, not even offensively, he's their best defensive player by far. I, I think the team is just unstoppable. And he's the best player on the team as well. Uh, I want to ask you a question. What are your opinions on Steve Nash at this point? I'm still pretty disappointed in him. I think that the Nets are by far the more talented teams, but like I could see them losing or have a one, not losing, but like, not losing series, losing one or two games because of his inexperience. Could you see that? Listen, I mean, Steve Nash, it was a weird hire when it happened. I was I was shocked. I don't think anyone expected that to be the hire that the Nets would make. And at the beginning of the season, you know, there were a lot of questions. He made a lot of a lot of weird rotations. He didn't he played DeAndre Jordan way too many minutes over Jared Allen. He would he wouldn't call timeouts when he should. Kyrie Irving was calling timeouts for him. There was a lot of weird tension going on, but I mean, I think he's really started to pick it up, especially this last stretch where the Nets have won 10 of their last 11 games. And he actually won Coach of the Month last month, which is a huge accomplishment for him. And I think he's really started to pick it up. Again, there's obviously going into the playoffs, he doesn't have that coach playoff experience. But I'm not, I'm not, honestly, I'm not really too worried about it. I think this team is just so talented and he, Nash has really picked it up. And he also has D'Antoni and all these other experienced coaches assistant coaches beside him to help him along the way. And I think it's been great besides the beginning where we were all disappointed and he made a lot of questionable rookie head coach decisions. I think recently he's been, he's been totally fine. I mean, you're the Nets fan, so I'm going to trust your opinion on the uh, whole Steve Nash situation. I think he's very lackluster, but 
Uh, it's with the talent I mean, they just, have that I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. Think about it at the beginning of the season. There was so much talk about all the things he was doing wrong. You, have you heard anything about Steve Nash past two no, months? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I Obviously, you've never heard anything the past two months. I'm just saying that the talent is way more there that it's almost like you don't need coaching. You could almost be having a normal conversation. They should win with how good they've been playing. And what's really been annoying me with the Nets this whole year is, as you know, I picked Kevin Rant to win my MVP. Yeah, yes, honestly, you could make the case that if he was playing a normal amount of games, he could easy, easily win it. Hundred percent. And it's really it's frustrating me. And I understand the Nets' um, point of view, and uh, they're in the business to win games and not make my predictions correct. But I would just mm-hmm. love that if Kevin Durant won the MVP. I think it would be an amazing story, honestly. After uh, leaving the Warriors, which I thought was a dumb move at the time, then to blowing out his knee. And then missing the whole Achilles, my bad. And then winning the MVP with Kyrie Irving and James Harden would be fantastic, but it's not going to happen. He was definitely on pace to win it. Like your prediction, oh, easily. Was, your prediction easily. was spot on. But I mean, it just the injury. There's many clowns that as we know that were saying he wasn't going to be back to his old 100%. form. Yeah, and it's that, it's pretty pretty uh, astonishing. I had a tweet one time where I said, "Why is anyone surprised about Kevin Durant's play? Are we forgetting who he is?" I mean, exactly. I, I mean, no one even no one even talks about him right now in the NBA. Like he's having the quietest 40 point games every year. Everyone was so skeptical, skeptical of him getting back to his full form. I mean, it was never a question in our minds and he came back and he was, he was unbelievable. It was probably the the best version of Kevin Durant we've ever seen. And that that's crazy because he's had an MVP season before. And, you know, the injury sucks just because, you know, the nets, they, they were starting to pick it up right when, right when he, right when he started to play so well. And the nets are still, managed to do great without him, but I, the Nets aren't going to rush him back. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't even see him for another month or so, even though they're saying it's like about a week, a week he can come back, but just because the Nets are doing so well without him, there's no rush. And he needs to be healthy for the playoffs because as well as the Nets are doing right now, they're, they're not as good without Kevin Durant with Kevin Durant. No, no, definitely. He he really does make a difference when he's in. But they the fact that they have Kyrie Irving as their third score, third scoring option, technically. Or I mean, I know uh, James Harden is uh is averaging less points than Kyrie, but I still consider Harden to be a way better scorer. Is it's this pretty, the best team we've ever seen? This is an, a serious question. Is this the most star-studded team we've we've ever <laughs> oh, seen? Oh, most star-studded team by far. I don't think you can make a case against it. I still think that the seventy-two Bulls were better, and the um twenty-sixteen Warriors were better. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. We, the team arguably has three top 10 players. Kyra no, no, no. T- Talent-wise, definitely. But I think that, I don't think in a full season, this Nets team would break the 73 wins. No, not at all. I don't think regular season-wise, they would ever come close to that. But I'm just saying, regarding, can you talent? Stop yeah, them? I, I feel like in talent-wise, I don't think you can make a case against it. Because it's not only the three, it's not only the three uh, superstars. James Harden, and I know we're going to get into this, but James Harden, the way he makes other players so much better, it's something I never realized when he was on the Rockets. Because watching him every game on the Nets, guys like Bruce Brown, who you probably never even heard of until this year, I, I barely heard of him last year, has who's been astonishing this year. 6'4", he can roll to the basket. He gets wide open looks. Someone like Nicholas Claxton, who didn't even, who only played like 14 games last year. James Harden makes him look like, a veteran center who can roll to the basket and finish with elite talent. I mean, James Harden, he makes everyone around him better. It's, it's honestly crazy. It's, it's LeBron-esque to me. I, I, you, 
when we were talking about how James Harden, you never noticed how good he made people better. I don't think anybody knew because he was a completely different player on the Rockets exactly, than he is yeah. on the Nets. And I think that's just transformed his way of, of playing he, the game. What's amazing is that is he was able to hide his IQ for so long. So he knew what to do at certain times. It's, I'm curious if he played this way on the, on the Rockets, would he have been more successful or would he have been less? We'll, we'll never know, but it's interesting to uh, take. It's crazy to think about his career. It's kind of broken up into three parts. You had the sixth man on the, on the Thunder where they went to the finals and he was a totally different player there. Then he goes to the Rockets and he plays like a player on Houston that we've never seen before. Anyone playing NBA history, probably one of the most ball dominant players ever. And then he goes to Brooklyn and he completely changes his style of play once again for the third time. I mean, he, he, he still does his typical step back threes occasionally and it still works really effectively but the way he's been distributing the ball he's averaging a league best 11 assists and these aren't cheap assists that like we're talking like he just passes to a guy and he hits a three no like these passes that he's making are crazy joe harris you've called him the best passer he's ever played with and joe harris played with lebron james so there's no understating how good james harden has been on the nets as a playmaker and an offensive player yeah, definitely. Especially with a player like Joe Harris. If you can get him the ball, he's going to make every shot he gets. Guys like Joe Harris, who's was already one of the best three-point shooters in the league, he gets wide open looks. It's ridiculous. And imagine when Kevin Durant comes back. Because you got you it. Defensive teams, they have to guard Harden and Kyrie and KD so closely that Joe Harris or Landry Shamit or a guy like Nicholas Claxton rolling to the rim, they're wide open on these looks. And it's so fun to watch. Really, really is. I'm. I've had fun watching this this year, and uh, I actually they're gonna do. I think they're gonna win the championship. But I still think the Lakers can put up a fight. I think they At will 100 put up a fight. And yeah, it'll, it'll be I think it'd be, I think I think it'd be go to seven games. Wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, I would love for that to happen. I love I love a great NBA basketball series. And I mean, the Lakers. They. So yeah, I mean, the Lakers, the Nets. I can't wait for that matchup. Um, posting styles of play. It'll be really interesting to see. I think those two teams have to be the favorites out of the East and the West. I don't see any way around it. And I can't wait for that, that finals matchup, honestly, because that's really what it's looking like, especially after this Embiid injury. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I this switch gears to the crowd. That's too much positive nuts talk for me for one whole <laughs> uh, sentence. You can't take it. I can't. It's so, it's so frustrating. Even though the Knicks are in the playoffs this year and they're going to make it still can't handle it. I mean, let's, I, let's, let's talk about the Knicks for a second. I mean, sure, they've, sure. 19 and 19. I mean, what you're you're the Knicks expert. What have they done that's turned this thing around? That's I gotta been, say, Tom's been a train wreck for so many years now. Tom Thibodeau, like I hate using the word culture as the way to describe things, but it really, really is a thing. The Knicks play with energy, they play they play with pride now. Uh they have a coach who can actually draw up a play with a use a clipboard. And <laughs> the thing that they've the Knicks have been – not only have they just been bad at drafting, I think they've been one of the worst teams at developing their players. They could they could not do anything right with that. Not only that, not only could they not develop them, they would pull them at wrong times. They wouldn't work with them. And then with Tom Thibodeau, I know that he has a reputation and it's rightfully earned as R.J. Barrett, I think, is like third in the league in minutes this year, along with Julius Randle. He's playing upwards of 38 minutes a game. Yeah, I think Julius Randle leads the league yeah, in minutes. Yeah, Julius Randle leads the league in minutes. Like R.J. is very close behind him. He's making, he's letting these guys go in and learn how to play basketball. He's actually putting the, he's put, they're putting players in the right positions and they're getting the most out of them. RJ Barrett has improved dramatically from his rookie year. He's averaging close to, I mean, the past couple of games is almost up to 20 and he's shooting the ball way better. And not only that, like Julius Randle, David Fisdale must have been so toxic for them last year. 
that he is the fact that he was an all-star this year after his season last year is a testament to coaching. And not only that, they went out and got made the right moves. They got D Rose back. They're able to develop Emmanuel quickly, something they never would have been able to do if uh, David Fisdale was still the coach. And no, and uh, to go along with that, another big issue with the Knicks the defense. The Knicks have had, I think, the worst defense in the past decade, at least, in my opinion. They were always 28th, 29th. Now so, they're a defensive team. Yeah, now they're a defensive team. And I know that they're definitely not the best defensive team, but according to the defensive rating they were. Like, that's something that hasn't happened in Knicks basketball for Definitely top five and, in the league. Yeah, no, top five. But I don't, they're not going to stop the Nets, obviously. No, or, like, I, don't, the top, that's, I don't think like, that's possible. Teams are like, when they played the Bucks the other day, they didn't do well at all. It's like it's oh, hard God, for man. them to stop like a player like Giannis, but mm-hmm. as a whole, they're playing so great. And I love, I just love Tom Thibodeau. And one thing of complaints with him, I'd like him to see Obi topping in a few more minutes because even he's progressed a little bit more than uh, he than he was in the beginning of the season. But so far, it's just been the the next really has been about the culture. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a testament to Tom Thibodeau. I think he's done a phenomenal job with this team. And Julius Randle, I think, hands down, has to be the has to win the most improved player award this year because basically a lot of times with the most improved player award i have an issue with it because sometimes it's because a player just has more opportunity like sometimes a guy didn't get a lot of minutes last year like this happened with like pascal siakam he like hardly played the year before and then all of a sudden like gets like 30 minutes a game and then his stats go so much up well yeah obviously they're going to go up because he went from playing 10 minutes a game to 30 minutes a game but julius randall it's Basically, it's the same the same amount of minutes, same really honestly, the same players around him, same team. It's just a different coach. And obviously, Tom Thibodeau helped him along the way, but it's also a testament to Julius Randle. And he definitely improved during the offseason, put in the work because he's a completely different player. He doesn't hardly turn the ball over as many times as he does. He's he's a above average three-point shooter, believe it or not, now, and his playmaking is it's just gone. Yeah, he, 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 last year, it always annoyed me. He would do that thing where he dribbles into the post, with his left hand spins, would lose the ball every time. Now he's every spinning single time. every single time. I'd be like, oh no, he's back at it. This year, he'll either make it or he'll find RJ cutting to the lane or he'll find quickly for a shot. Like the Knicks are just more fluid this year. And they look like they're having fun playing basketball. And I also think it's good that uh, James Dolan finally, I, mean, I don't want to say it for too long, took a hands off approach to running a team. And is, isn't, isn't involved in making basketball decisions is allowing his actual basketball people to make the decisions. And I don't, I mean, at the beginning of this year, everyone had the Knicks, including myself, like the bottom, bottom, bottom of the league, because the roster wasn't that good to be, at all, if we're being honest. And now this year, I, I truly think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to um, upset like the Nets or anything or the Sixers or the Bucks, mm-hmm. but definitely just a, I'm just so excited to see the Knicks winning again. I think when the Knicks are winning, it's the best thing for the NBA. What's crazy to me about this team is just if you look at their roster, it's not that talented. No, not like, at all. Obviously, you have Randall, who's, I guess, an all-star this year. He was an all-star. But then guys like R.J. Barrett, I know you're, all Knicks fans love him. I don't. I think he's good. I think he can be really good. But right now, I don't think he's a, a good second option. But he is a second oh, no, option, on the, uh, option on the Knicks. And it's been working for well enough. And then you have guys like what Taj Gibson gets significant minutes. You're relying on Emmanuel quickly, a second round rookie or early first round rookie. I mean, it's crazy how good the Knicks are. Not nothing against the players. What I just, I guess is the testament to Tom Thibodeau because he's taken this group of players that will probably wouldn't be that good individually, but as a team, they've really been succeeding. It's no, great to see it's team basketball. Like for the, 
for the entirety of the league, RJ Barrett, you would not want him as your second option right now. But mm-hmm. I truly think that the fact that he's able to be a second option and they're playing well just shows that he. I think he's going to be a really, really good player in the NBA for a long time. This team really reminds me of the 2019 Brooklyn Nets. And I know I have to – obviously, I found a way to connect. Two lefties? Nets, but yeah, exactly. Two <laughs> lefties. Well, yeah, RJ Barrett and Julius Randle with D'Lo. Um, because that Nets team, it was just no one expected them to be good. They probably had a little more talent than this Knicks team, but no one expect no, they didn't have a lot of talent. And it's just, again, the word culture, Kenny Atkinson implemented a culture that, that made that Nets team successful. And they went to the playoffs. They were the sixth seed and they had a competitive playoff series against the 76ers with two superstars. And I think this Knicks team could potentially do something similar, sneak into the playoffs and win one or two games in the first round against maybe even against a team like the Nets or the Sixers or the Bucks. I'm not ruling out them winning a game or two just because of like, you can feel it with the Knicks fans this year and the city. It's just something special because they're finally good again. Yeah, And fun. as you said, the NBA is better when the Knicks are good. Yeah, definitely. I hope that the Knicks can make the playoffs this year and hopefully attract some better players to the team. I'm not saying LeBron's coming to the Knicks, like some crazy Knicks fan would say on Twitter. But uh, I think that they're finally showing that the bigger guy, bigger name for agents is uh, this is a place to win. I'm really happy about that. Definitely. I mean, what I was thinking about with the Knicks, I'm not really sure where they go from here. Like, yeah, me either. It's kind of a weird situation. It's, a, it's a really weird situation because they have Randall and RJ Barrett, but they're not going to be championship contenders with those guys. But then again, they're finally good with the, with these two guys. So they can't like trade them. Yeah. And it's, so, yeah, they would basically have to get, and I don't know how much trade value they're going to get with Knox and Neil Aquina and I don't know, those type of guys. So I, I really, it's a, it's a weird situation, but it's definitely better than what it was last year. So th- that's all you can take right now. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think I think it would be a good time to shift to a big question in the league right now. And obviously we mentioned Joel Embiid went out, huge blow for the Sixers, but he was the MVP leader basically until yesterday. And he still is right now, but he's they say he's going to be out two to three weeks, but I think the Sixers, with Embiid's injury history, he's probably going to be out a month, if that, maybe a little more. And so there's definitely going to be an opportunity for some players to overtake Embiid as the MVP leader. And so, CP, who do you think those players could be? Well, I mean, just based on play, it should be Kevin Rant, but I already touched him on that this year. <laughs> um, I think LeBron James has a strong case in the NBA. I don't think for the MVP. Uh, J- players such as James Harden. I mean, I'm not giving it to Giannis again, but he's putting up the no, same stats on it no. on, on that he that he won MVPs with. So I, he'll definitely be in the voting, but there's no chance he's going to win it. Um, I'd say those two, LeBron James and James Harden, are probably the two most uh, my sec- my first and second for the MVP. I think that Lucas having a great year as well. I know he was your your second year MVP pick. No, he was my first. Uh, oh, he was Joker your first. Was Jokers, second, yeah. Jokers was your second. But I don't think that the Mavs are, the Mavericks, even though they've been great lately, no, have been winning not. enough games to win. I mean, he's he's been playing at an MVP level. Just his team hasn't done that good. But I think Jokic has a really strong sh- uh, shot at the MVP this year. Um, there's a lot of guys. If I had to pick one, I'm going to go with LeBron, just because, as you know, I'm a big LeBron fan. And I think the fact that he's doing what he's doing, again, how do you not give him an MVP? The thing that I'm struggling with LeBron right now is he's not even, he's probably LeBron from LeBron's LeBron standards. He's probably having one of his worst seasons of his career, which is still amazing, but 
statistically. Definitely one of his lower end career seasons. And um, I mean, the Lakers, they've really been struggling without AD, like really struggling. Yeah, no, they, They're losing gonna... to teams that they should not be losing to. They dropped from first in the West to third. They're four and they've four they're four and six in their last 10 games. And I mean, I think I'm not obviously LeBron best player in the world still, even if he's not the MVP, because the MVP is a regular season award. And we also have to take this into consideration. The Lakers, they just won a championship like five months ago. There was so little time for LeBron to prepare for this new season. So obviously you gotta cut him a little slack. And they're still second in the West though. I mean they're third because they have less law. And more losses than the Suns, but they're literally right there. And I don't, and I don't think it's a. Um, but are we sure? Crazy. Are we sure LeBron is so much more valuable to the Lakers than Anthony Davis? Yeah, I think that if AD was out, I don't think the Lakers would be doing. I think it'd be doing even worse. AD is out. No, I meant to say sorry. LeBron was out. If AD was playing, I don't think that the. I think the Lakers would be much worse. I just I, Anthony I Davis with... is that Anthony Davis isn't that type of player. That's just he's never been that type of player to catapult teams to wins like that. He's just that he's so valuable as a second guy, which is crazy that um, his team needs him to win, but they don't need he he this team needs him to win, but he can't be the guy to have, have them win. I struggle with how valuable Anthony Davis is to the Lakers and how I've seen the Lakers play without him. And obviously, LeBron is still in the conversation, but a guy like obviously Embiid is the is is was in first but obviously now he's not but i just think i look at a guy like jokic who the nuggets they've won five straight and the team they also they're also just played like five months ago they were in the western conference finals so not a lot of time to recover but a guy like jokic who he's a big man averaging like 25 8 and 8 and 10 and just I don't know, something about Jokic, the way he plays, he he plays in almost slow motion and the game slows around without him. He's one of my favorite players to watch just because the way he can get players the ball at ease and also just post up and shoot the three and do everything so well. And obviously LeBron, LeBron and Jokic think they're neck and neck, but also I just want to bring up James Harden. Think about this. If James Harden were to win MVP, he'd be the first MVP ever to win it for a guy who got traded midseason, and that would be crazy. But the thing is, he's right up there with the guys like Harden, with excuse me, with LeBron James and Jokic. No, I, he definitely has a strong case for the MVP, especially because I still think LeBron should win it. But the case for James Harden, to me, if I was a voter, would be how much he changed his game, as we talked about. I think to, it's remarkable. Be, to be traded midseason, as you said, and everyone else knows, um, and to change like that, and to change like that, and have the success like that, even though you have great players around you, how it's quickly really difficult. fit into the net, into and, the Nets culture? It's we've never seen anything like he's it. He's scoring what like last year, I think he was averaging thirty three points a game. And this year, mm-hmm. it's around 24, 25, But he's still playing. He's playing even better basketball. I think that that has to be taken into great consideration because he that shows you how valuable he is to the team. That he's contributing more by doing less in a sense. Yeah, I definitely think it's gonna. In these next few weeks, it's going to be really crucial. If the Lakers continue to spiral without AD, then I think LeBron's case becomes much harder to make, even for you, a LeBron fan. Yeah. And if the Nets keep keep this up, because the Nets have won 10 of their last 11 games, if the Nets keep this up, it's going to be hard to say that Harden shouldn't be the MVP. No, I, I agree with that. So, I mean, yeah, the MVP, it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I mean, 
There's a lot of even players like I couldn't Ky- make Kyrie Irving on the Nets. He's the Nets really have three MVP candidates. That's crazy because yeah. Kyrie's been great. Yeah, it's truly, truly remarkable. I want to get your opinion on. Obviously, we've talked about this team in the past, but if you go to the Western Conference standings, it's kind of odd. The Utah Jazz are in first place, <laughs> and they've been really dominant this entire year. Do you buy the Jazz? Because I know I don't. No, at not all. at all. The Jazz. The Jazz aren't built for the um, playoffs like that. Rudy Gobert, I mean, as good as people think he is, he really isn't that good, in my opinion. He's, my opinion, he's one of the most overrated players in the NBA. His, def- his defense is really good, but if his defense was so good, I think the Jazz would be able to win more games. And I'm a big fan of Donovan Mitchell, but he's pro- he has been proven not to be a great uh, playoff player at all, to be honest. And I really and think... I mean- in his credit, he was phenomenal last year against the in the, oh, yeah, series last the Nuggets in the bubble. But in the bubble, then, he was. He well, before then, he was. He was. He was not reliable. I'll say that is a better word to say. But I don't. The Jazz, they're a perfect regular season team every single year. I don't think that they're gonna. I don't. I don't know why they would all of a sudden change this year. I don't think Mike Conley has been a huge playoff um, player in his throughout in, in throughout his career. But all of a sudden, now he's gonna take a leap at 33 years old. Even though he's been honestly one of the honestly, he's been like the key to their offense this year. And they don't have enough like talent around them. They're, they they cannot hand, hand, uh, hang with the Lakers. They cannot hang with the, with the Suns, honestly, in my opinion. I think Chris Paul could pick a team like that who struggled in the playoffs apart. And I think that they're just going to be a disappointment as usual. Yeah, I really I think about this uh, Jazz team and I look at the Bucks from the past few years, a team that was great in the regular season, but then consistently disappointed in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, you need guys who can create their own shot. And the Jazz have one player, one player who can do that, Donovan Mitchell. And if you only have one player who can do that, you can pretty much easily take it away if the, the defense locks in on him. As we saw with the Bucks, Giannis, he couldn't create his own shot. So it's really up to Chris Middleton at the end of games. He's not that type of player who can carry a team like that. That's why this Nets team is so unstoppable because they have so many players who can create their shots at the end of games. And it's really unstoppable. That's why a team like even the Sixers and Bede, you no one can physically match up with Joel Embiid. That's why he's so effective at the end of games. But the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, I just I just don't buy it. And I, I think Donovan Mitchell's been great this year. Oh, I he just has don't been. see it. I honestly I would in if the playoffs started right now, I'd probably pick the, the Mavericks over the Jazz. And that matters with the eight seed. Um, that'd be a tough one. Uh, I could, I could see it going to Game Seven. I don't know if I could make a prediction on that. Right, not yet. But that'd be a very, that'd be my favorite series to watch. That I wouldn't be surprised if that was a one versus eight or eight versus one upset. That yeah, that's true. They, I could, I could definitely see it happening. Yeah, I mean, and as we get closer to the to the playoffs, obviously the trade deadline, March twenty fifth this year got pushed back. Usually it's February thing. It's like. And as us NBA fans like to say, the NBA trade deadline is like our second Christmas. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any like, blockbuster trades this year, unfortunately. But Unfortunately not. I mean, obviously every year there's some disappointment. The, the, some James, it's crazy. the James Harden was our blockbuster trade. Yeah, that, no, that Christmas was, that came was, early. Yeah. Christmas Definitely. came in January this time. But I want to ask you, do you think Bradley Beal will get traded before the trade, trade deadline? Because that's been a lingering question for so long now. And I just, I feel like I want it to happen, but I just don't feel like it's going to. I want it to happen also because I, I think he's a great player. 
but I don't, I don't think any team is going to want him. Or I think the Wizards are going to ask for some absurd uh, value definitely, for a player definitely. for a player that has done nothing in the playoffs, and the teams are going to be trading from our playoff contending teams that they're going to all of a sudden welcome a guy who's been averaging thirty three points a game on a bad team. But he's going to. I think Bradley Beal has an ego to him playing with the Wizards the past couple of years. And I don't think I think his trade value is honestly going to be lower, way lower than what the Wizards are hoping for. And I don't even know what team would want him. Like obviously, I mean, it's a talent wise, you can't deny him. But like he's a, t- I think he'd be a very tough player to implement. And the only reason that he might people may be saying you're crazy is because he shoots the ball very well. But he's not a what's just a spot up shooter. He's way more than that. He's not a superstar. He's never been a winning basketball player. I think he's won one playoff series in his career, and that was like in 2015. I mean, so there, there's something with that. Some, there's some value to that he's never won a play. He hasn't won a playoff series in years. And the Wizards have been consistently bad. They got Russell Westbrook. They're still pretty bad, even though they picked it up recently. And I just feel like there's no team that would exactly give up what the Wizards are asking. Like, in an ideal world, I think a team like the Nuggets could really use Bradley Beal. They could maybe trade, like, Michael Porter Jr. or some of those guys, some picks, and maybe get him. Obviously, you see Bradley, the Jazz, honestly. Yeah, the Jazz. That that'd be great. Also, I mean, we all know Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum. They're really good friends. They, I think, they played AAU together. Maybe the Celtics would trade like Kemba and some young guys for him. I think that'd be a, a great fit, also. But realistically, before the deadline, there hasn't been enough buzz, and I just don't think anything's going to happen. He's, Bradley Beal is going to. He's honestly wasting his career on the Washington Wizards, which is really unfortunate for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel bad for him at all. He chose to stay there and got picked. That 30. is true. I, I, $33 million is not loyalty, in my opinion. But, That's true. I yeah. mean, there are other guys who, you know, that people have been reporting. Andre Drummond, P.J. Tucker, LaMarcus Aldridge. They're all lingered to the Nets. It's like All enough. connected to the Nets. The Nets just, we didn't even mention this. The Nets recently signed Blake Griffin, who yeah. the national media is pointing out to be like the savior for the Nets. But, but in reality, he's probably going to only play about 10 or 15 minutes per game. And I wouldn't be surprised in the playoffs if he doesn't even – get that many minutes because the Nets really don't need him. They've been phenomenal without him. They're winning games without him. And Kevin Durant hasn't even come back yet. So there's not minutes for everybody. And I really don't think Blake Griffin adds that much to this team because he's lost his athletic ability. He hasn't dunked since 2019. What does he <laughs> add? Not that much. So he adds size. That's about it. If you told me in 2013 that Blake Griffin wouldn't dunk for two full years, I would tell you you're crazy. That Yeah, it's, he's really, that's, that's really falling off. It's it's it kind of sucks around, but and then these guys like Andre Drummond, I just I don't think he would fit with the Nets at all. It'd be a really awkward fit because he can't shoot at all, and we already have DeAndre Jordan who can't shoot. Someone like PJ Tucker, Marcus Aldridge, I just don't think they would fit well at all on this team, and it yeah. really annoys me because it just shows how the media loves the Nets because they literally connect everyone with this team. It's like the Knicks used to be; they used to be connected with every single free agent. You say they still are, honestly. Still. <laughs> That will never stop. The Knicks will always be rumored to get the big guy next summer, and then everyone will be disappointed. But then, but people who actually know will be like, "Oh yeah, this that was never going to happen." <laughs> no, I, I hope not. But uh, that's not that's going to happen. I want to switch into a different topic now. Um, how wrong were you about Lamelo Ball? I was going to say we were going to th- go through the entire podcast. We were going to bring up Lamelo Ball with how well he's been doing. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about other stuff, and I finally just want to rub it in now. I mean, I can't say I was the only wrong one wrong about him. There were a lot of people who didn't think he'd be this this good ever or this good really quickly. I just didn't see it, but I couldn't have been more wrong. The Ball has been 
really great this season. The Hornets are actually one of my favorite teams to watch. I'll, I find myself watching their games more than I probably should be just because the team is so fun to watch. They have so many guards, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham. They're all really fun to watch with Lamelo. Like Miles Bridges as well and Fanella. Oh, yeah, totally. And the Hornets always find a way to, like, get back into the game. They had an amazing comeback a few weeks ago against the Kings, and it was just so fun to watch. They're never out of games. And, yeah, Lamelo Ball, I mean, I think I saw a thing. He leads every single category for rookies besides blocks. It's it's insane. He He's he's the rookie of the year. I thought. His, in his own tier alone, and then it's like Halliburton all the way down here. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I, the Hornets are going to make the playoffs, too. I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't. Probably, you know, yeah. The, the varsed uh, thing of Lonzo taking the Lakers to the playoffs in the first year is coming true with his other son. So yeah. uh, just got to listen to what he's been saying. I think I think he said Lonzo was taking them to the championship the first year. Championship, even 50 uh, yeah. games. It was something absurd. Mm-hmm. I mean, got to gotta see talent where talent is. But Is LaMelo better than Lonzo? Yeah, I think we should start referring to... I mean, Lonzo's actually had a much better year than people yes. are giving him credit. He has more threes than Trey Young. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Does that media, prove to you that Trey Young's overrated? Uh, it doesn't prove to me that, but I'll tell you that the media, uh, they don't want to tell you those certain details. They fall in love with Trey Young way more than... Uh, they do. They love Trey Young. I don't know why. Maybe because he shoots deep threes. That, that's what everyone likes these days. And he's six, and he's shorter than I am. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and he, because he's small guard. I mean, Lonzo really this year has been fantastic. I'm not going to lie, but they're not going to tell you that because he's what thing with Lonzo. I mean, I want to get, I want to talk about the mellow, but like the difference is Lonzo, pe- people are the, he was put on such a pedestal because of his dad and like the media. And he was on every talk show and the, his brand and everything that mm. people were never going to give him a fair chance of what he was. So if you look at him from like what he does in the basketball court, and just think about it like that, not what you heard about him, you would think he's had a great NBA or not great, good NBA career so far. Some average. No, for like what he does. I don't like he was never a good shooter in college, particularly. And like his thing has just been making people around him better. No one thought he was going to average 25 points a game. That's, That's just true. not the way he plays. I mean, his teams have also been disappointing, including this yeah. year. Oh, extremely disappointing this year. And since we're on the topic of the Pelicans, I mean, how about Zion? He's been completely balling this year. No one I, talks about that. No one does. I think a really big part of it is just Zion. If you watch, he he's honestly like a point guard now. He has the ball in his hands so much more than he did last year. And it's yeah. so great to see because it literally no, you cannot guard him. Like he, he'll just completely body you and just put the ball in the basket. And he's shooting an, ab- an absurd, I think, 59% from the field or something crazy like that. Definitely. Is, he's really lived up to the hype, but I mean, has he? Cause no one's talking about it. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, we've covered a lot this podcast and I think I just want to end it on something that's really been bothering me. I think it's probably been bothering you and a lot of other NBA fans this season. And it's been the officiating. Oh, I mean, the officiating is horrible. The, the offici- it's, it's honestly sometimes hard to watch because you'll be watching some of these. Okay. There's two things. First, this one type of call where Troy Young is, he does it the most where You'll, he'll dribble the ball and then the guy will be behind him and then he'll pump fake and jump and Trey Young will throw his body into some other guy and then Trey Young will get the foul called. But technically, it actually should be an offensive foul because as a defender, you can't get out of the way if a player jumps into you for when he's, when he's going for a, a floater or a three-point shot. And so it's almost like players are playing not the game of basketball, but they're playing to get fouled, which is so annoying to me. I can't. And I'm sure it is for you. I, it's oh, hard it's, to watch. It's, har- it's horrible. I, I don't even. 
I saw I was I was watching um the, the jump the other day with uh, Rachel, Rachel Nichols. Nichols. Yeah, the host. And they had on Tracy McGrady, and Tracy McGrady was talking about. I mean, he's been famous for doing that pump fake also and getting the foul. But he mm-hmm. said that the way they're calling it today is absurd. And this is like a real t- uh, fine details about NBA officials. But in the past five years, the NBA has lost like it was like sixty percent of officials that have been doing it for twenty years or more or something. So mm-hmm. a huge wave of guys leaving, and experience does matter. I never thought I would say that. Yeah, and I know a lot of young guys now. Yeah, it's a lot weird. of young guys, and that's because they're all retiring. Because all the good the the officials that did the big playoff games and uh, yeah. finals, who had the high ratings and stuff from the NBA, like you're not seeing that anymore. And I mean, it's not that you're not seeing anymore, just because they're all retired. They got old and didn't want to work. And I think that the level of officiating, I think we're really seeing it how how good and bad it really is. And when we thought it was bad then, we're seeing what how much worse it can get. And also at the end of games too, like at the end of the game with well, a minute left in the game, it will take like 20 minutes because the officials will literally review every single call. And I'd almost rather wish they just wouldn't review things and get a call wrong sometimes because some because half the time when they actually go review the specific like thing that they're reviewing, they still won't change it because there's not enough evidence. So we'll wait, we'll waste five minutes looking at a certain play and still can't change it, even though they should be able to. It's it's something that Adam Silver has to address like soon because the NBA it's already like it's already losing a lot of viewers. The NFL is up here and the NBA is down here, and something has to change. I think this is one of the big problems with the league that Adam Silver has to address. They have to, the NBA knows they have a wrecking problem. They've been experimenting with all sorts of different things in the G League. Yeah, but I you got to fix it back. I, I mean I don't know the right answer, but maybe yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something the NBA has to fix, and I really hope they do in the future. But, yeah. I mean, I think I think we covered a lot on this podcast. The CP, if there's, unless, there's, unless there's anything else you want to add, it was great talking to you today. Yeah, it was great. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, Jack. All right, thank you for listening. Time out, signing off.